Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode 69 of nice. Dads in the Crypts. Nice. nice. <laughs> My name is Jason. I'm your host tonight, and I'm joined by Jody. Hello. And Mondo. Hello. And no guest, because we're kind of rebooting a little bit for the moment to do our Cabinet of Curiosities uh, series. So we're kind of uh, going back to basics, bringing the boys back. How are we doing? What you drinking? What you got, Jody? All right, I've got, uh, you know, it's December, and it's uh, really freaking cold here in Tennessee. So I've got my St. Bernardus Christmas Ale. Uh, very, very tasty. Very boozy tasting, too. So let's see how this what, episode goes tonight. What is it, exactly? It's got some spices and stuff in there, but uh, it's a dark, dark ale. But yeah, Yum. very uh, very much like a strong ale or like a triple or something like that. What, what's the ABV on that sucker? 10%. Ooh. Which is not that big, but this bottle is really big. <laughs> yeah, ten no, percent's big, man. Ten percent's big. Um, uh, yeah. I, I've I never mean, heard. I, any, I never heard anybody say ten was small. So, um, yeah, I mean, it technically is, but I do, uh, I do like the uh, the bigger, boozier beers. So a lot of times, ten percent doesn't seem quite phew. such a such a big thing. Yeah. So a, a great story about St. Bernardus is there's a Trappist brewery called um, West Vleteran, and they basically only make the you can only get the beer there and buy the beer there and drink the beer there so uh, they came out with um they, they eventually started releasing the beer the beer to the wild but they used, basically gave the recipe to saint bernardus and saint bernardus abt12 is pretty much the the same the same beer um funny story though a few years back uh, god a few years probably 10 years ago they needed to do repairs in the monastery so they decided to actually sell their beer out of the monastery for the first time ever into the wild and i remember we got it here at total wine and a buddy of mine he and i were doing a, a beer review podcast on a local beer blog we got a six pack of it for i think it was like 120 bucks mm-hmm. uh ridiculous and it was good but it wasn't it was it was great so uh, naturally we decided to make shandies and beer moses out of it <laughs> what would you, nice. you you can actually find it on our old website called hooked on hops it's probably still up there um but just cool but then they kind of asked uh at, after that saint bernardus to stop brewing the beer and bernardus mm-hmm. is like yeah uh no it's our best-selling <laughs> beer we're not gonna stop brewing it no sorry sorry about your bad luck but now you can actually find westy 12 in the wild some places but um it's still very very sought after i'm just thinking about a 20 dollar a bottle beer making shandies <laughs> You know, when we did this website, our goal is to kind of take the piss out of the whole beer scene because oh, yeah, yeah. people no, take it, it too seriously. Um, we also did a – there's a beer called Black Tuesday by the brewery based out in California and very sought after right up your alley, Joe, like 18%, 18% alcohol, uh, gorgeous, delicious beer. So we got a, our hands on a bottle of that back when you really couldn't. So we all tasted it, and then we decided to pour it inside of a coffee press with a taco and call it Taco Tuesday. <laughs> What <laughs> you can find the video of that too on hookedonhops.com, and it's us. Uh, so I made sure when we when we did the depressing that I had flight of the flight of the Valkyries playing in the background, and and we actually I kid you not. So if you've ever heard of Beer Advocate, the website, yeah, uh, we got the people. Someone posted that on their message board, and we got death threats over it. 
Yeah, oh I, my God. they had to they had to shut the art. They had to shut the um, thread down on Beer Advocate because people were like just saying very very unkind things about our Mexican heritage, <laughs> right? And actually got I got actually emails on my Hooked on Hops account, uh, you know, saying people were gonna come kill us and stuff like that, which I didn't believe obviously. Yeah, yeah, you know, over beer, like, yeah, beer beer is something to enjoy. Like just enjoy it or don't enjoy it or whatever. Like. Don't take it that seriously, damn. Yeah. There's a reason why I love, you know, I talk about beer on here, and I love good beer. I've been a craft beer geek for a long time. Yeah. But the reason I use this term geek and not snob is because I'd rather drink shitty beer with good people than drink the oh, best yeah. beer in the world with shitty people. Like, that's that's a difference, I think, because if, like, if I go to your house, Jody, and all you have is Miller Lite, fucking A, man, we're drinking Miller Lite yeah. tonight. The number of times I've gone over to my parents and my brother showed up with, like, a six-pack of Banquet, I'm like, I'll sit there and drink some Banquet. Yeah. Why not? It, because it's about the people you're with, the experience. Yeah, not we're about having a good time. time. Right. Let, let's not be wine snobs now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, we're going to roll into announcements. This is the last episode before our Dead Easy script read. And we have some announcements about the cast. Um, not completed yet. We still have the two leads that we're working on, but the names we have floating for that are very exciting. Who we do have is Brett Collins, who played Thomas Wayne in the Joker movie. Leslie Zemeckis, who, yes, is married to Bob, uh, Bob Zemeckis. Jake Busey, because freaking Jake Busey. Jake Busey. Yeah. It's awesome. And uh, Chelsea Rebecca from the Dead Meat Channel, who I met this weekend at Seasons Screaming um, and had a blast at that convention. Really fun time. Very, so we'll get to mark the calendars. We will be, uh, there'll be, there's still a few more details that'll be coming out. So just uh, keep in touch with our socials and everything will be there all right well let's talk about tonight's episode we are talking cabinet of curiosities episode one called lot 36 jody give us your plot synopsis okay and i'm going to go ahead and say this is not going to be my typical uh tales from the crypt plot synopsis because tales from the crypt came out like in the early 90s you've had 30 years to catch up this just came out a few weeks ago I'm not going to spoil everything. We'll probably spoil stuff when we talk about it later, but at least at least for the synopsis, I'll just get you started. I do have to say, at the very beginning, I love the Guillermo del Toro intro, just him kind of mm-hmm. coming out and like, we're going to talk about the, the secrets and curiosities, and he's got that accent, and I'm like, he just seems like a giant teddy bear of a man, and yeah. I'm really glad that he does that intro. Did you guys see the SNL uh, video that came out last night about the uh, the big boys? Big guys, yeah, I did. I'm uh, like, I felt so seen. <laughs> <laughs> All I wanted was them to come out with like CPAPs and like <laughs> marching with CPAPs, walk dancing with CPAPs. Um, also, I did love the intro credit sequence. I'm like, is this just what Guillermo del Toro's house looks like? Yeah. So did you ever go, they did a, a, in Los Angeles at the Museum of Pop Culture, or maybe it's Modern Art, they had an exhibit uh, about five, six years ago that was the basically meant to look like the inside of Del Toro's house. And it was one of the coolest museum yeah. experiences mm-hmm. I've ever had in my life. It was I so awesome. I saw pictures of it. It looks like like a, the dusty old library uh, you know, that you see in movies, but with all this cool horror memorabilia and stuff in there, it's amazing looking. Dude, it was so awesome just walking by like a life-size statue of Ray Harryhausen in his chair, yeah. and the skeletons are pouring him coffee, and then, mm-hmm. you know, of course, they had the satyr from Pan's Labyrinth, and but it's all kinds of random relics he had that he, you know, 
sent there. Um, if they ever do a pop-up like that again, it's a must, must, must go. One of the coolest experiences I've ever seen nice. or had. Yeah, so, so that's our intro. And just everything we're saying here, he's the producer of this, not the actual director, but Guillermo del Toro is just a really cool guy. Well, just I think he, yeah, I think he wrote like uh, he wrote, at least some yeah. version of a lot of these stories. Right. Uh, but anyway, on to our actual story here. It's set in the 90s, and you can tell that because it opens up with uh, George Bush talking about the Iraq War. And uh, there is a man in an apartment, and he's cutting up some kind of meat, some some critter of some sort. There is a head on it. I couldn't quite tell what it was. It's kind of a vicious-looking head, but also once the skin is off, a lot of things look weird. Um while he's chopping it up, uh, he dies of a heart attack. And we see that he has an, a key to a storage unit, Lot 36. And that's a, the title of this. And that's a long-term storage rental unit. And uh, since he has died, his unit is being auctioned off, kind of that blind buy thing. They open it up, show that there's stuff in it. Quick peek, and then close it. And then they auction it uh, to the highest bidder. Uh, this dude named Nick buys the storage unit. Nick is kind of a piece of crap. He is a obvious, uh, would you go full out white supremacist? I think he's probably at least leaning that way. Uh, they definitely play him off as like that. He's an ex-soldier, obviously. Right. And his but definitely... he doesn't like immigrants. He doesn't really like black people. Like... He's very xenophobic. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. Way, that's a good way to put it. He's definitely got yeah. a lot of trauma there and definitely expresses he's not dealing with his trauma in healthy ways. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah, so Nick, Nick, uh, he has a lot of problems. He's not a very pleasant dude throughout this entire episode, uh, but he buys it for four hundred bucks, and then you find out that the man who had owned it before came to the unit every single day for decades. He's owned it since like the forties, and he's come in with a bag, does this weird little like hopping ritual before he goes into the building or into the unit, goes in, stays there for like an hour and a half, and then leaves. The bag is empty, and he's done this for decades. And so, obviously, something a little strange is going on with the stuff in this unit. Uh, we've, there's also a Hispanic lady who comes to pay her bill at the storage unit and finds out that uh, they had sent a bill to the wrong place. They evicted her from it. And so her unit had been sold off also to Nick. This is kind of Nick's whole gig. He buys these things, sells stuff, and uh, then makes money off of it. <clears throat> she goes to Nick and asks him if he can... Uh, let her have access because there's lots of sentimental things in there and he blows her off, tells her she could have it for a thousand dollars. So she's mad at him and uh, stays mad at him through the whole time. She throughout the whole episode, you kind of see her in various places looking at him from a distance. And so he goes in the unit, looks at photos Uh, in the photos. There's some Nazi stuff implying that maybe he was a Nazi, the guy who owned it before. It, yeah, it, a table. it wasn't like anti-Nazi stuff either. It was like glorifying no, no, no. Uh, the Nazi party. Yeah, it was like pictures more. of like... It was, it was in his family album. It was right. pictures of Nazis. Yeah, so. yeah when, when swastikas appear in your family album, there's not really a good way for that well, to go. Well, hold on, hold on. So my grandfather, who was German, um, <laughs> he, he fought for the Allies in World War II, but he definitely did have photo albums of the war, of uh, pictures he took as they were liberating uh, German cities. Sure, that's, well, that's yeah. a different that's thing. That's the only time well, it's this okay. Was, <laughs> That's that that's that's the way that it's okay yeah. if if you're taking pictures of liberation. Yeah, but these are pictures of like marches. Embra- em- yeah, embracing the marches, embracing the right, right, the, the shitbaggery. 
And so there, he also sees this table with a pentagram on top and is kind of intrigued by it. And so he goes to this collector. We find out that the table is a uh, seance table. There's these creepy books inside that are worth a lot of money. But if there's the there's three creepy books, and if there's if he had the fourth one, it would be worth a ton of money. Like the three books by themselves are ten thousand dollars, the four books are three hundred thousand dollars. And so he brings this collector with him, and uh, I won't tell what happens yet at this point. But uh, stuff ensues as they begin to investigate this strange storage unit. All right, Mondo, what did you think of this episode? So if this is how the whole series is going to go, I'm pretty excited for it, because I thought that this episode was fantastic. Um, a, a couple of real cool cool things about it is one, uh, the name, Lot 36, uh, which I think is kind of a shout-out to Lucio Fulci, because in, in the beyond, all the bad stuff starts happening in room 36, 36 oh, nice. being three sixes. So it's the... Uh, oh, 3-6. Yeah. So I... Th- so I thought, yeah, the, I, I saw three six, like, okay, six, six, six. I didn't realize that was a Fulci reference. Oh, I, I don't know if that was intentional, but I immediately picked up on that because that's my, no, that my, makes... my favorite movie. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I thought um, a lot of great, a lot of great stuff in this. And, and, and the first thing I want to shout out is I know the idea behind this series is really to highlight some, maybe some lesser known filmmakers or directors. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, the direction in this and the cinematography in this was just fantastic. Like the way they got, whenever they get those shots down those long hallways, and they did this a couple times where you expect something to happen in the background, but it never comes. And I think mm-hmm. that's such a really really great red herring uh that they pull off uh the intro scene with the guy chopping up meat was like literally disgusting mm-hmm. it was oh we just sat down to eat breakfast and, and it was one of the few <laughs> times like I- i've eaten during cannibal holocaust but i was about to eat during this and i was like uh should i maybe these, <laughs> a- these these beautiful eggs didn't don't look as good as they did five minutes ago so you I think there's like a different experience when like we watch things like Campbell Holocaust that were filmed so long ago, like the film grain is there. That makes it like a little dissociative where we watch something modern. It's an HD. And it just feels that much more visceral. I don't know. I think sometimes it is do a really good job at making things look utterly disgusting. Mm-hmm. And, so, and sometimes when you, you know, I 100% knew it's fake. It just looked really freaking disgusting. Well, and it, it, it looked close enough to like real stuff like if I hadn't seen this weird little head, I would have thought he was chopping chicken or something like that. But like the idea yeah. of this like disgusting head. Well, I, ah. And then he keels over dead and like he knocks the meat on top of him. That was yes. the gross part for me. That's like, oh. Yeah, and I still stand by. I've said this many times on the podcast with Drag Me to Hell being one of the most disgusting movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And it's PG-3 glory, or PG-13 glory. Um, so yeah, this episode, uh, I, I thought a lot of great ideas they had in this. And um, well, I, I'm, I'm going to probably just warn people right now, we're definitely going to go into spoilery territory as yeah. we talk more and more about this. So if you want to watch the episode, I would say pause it and then watch the episode, come back and, and listen to us. Uh, but they do a lot of cool things. Again, like the, the main character, Nick, just he, he's not a likable guy. He uh, definitely, you know, he's down on his luck and you hate to see people like that, but he definitely like uh, when, the, when the Mexican woman comes and she, at one point she goes, I just want my photos. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, sorry. You can, it's all mine. I bought it. And I'm like, dude, like, like you're not going to sell photos, right? You're not going to make money off those. Like let, let the person have her photos back. She's not asking for much. And, and that scene too, where she's also trying to pay her bill was kind of heartbreaking because she was telling the, the, the manager like, man, I got, I, I've been, I've been. I've had a storage unit here for 20 years. And, and originally, mm-hmm. I thought the storage unit w- where the shit goes down was her storage unit, but I, I guess it right, wasn't, right? No. No, okay. 
Okay. It was three six. And, and also the the dude's little bunny hop dancing, fucking terrifying. That was so yeah. unnerving the way he's moving in, in those security in those security cameras. And, and but then, that never came back, right? We well, never explained that. Well, no, because he died. But well, it, I, I think it's, I, I think it was probably something like before he approached. Because I mean, obviously, uh, we haven't said it yet, but there's something weird, demonic going on inside this unit. And I'm guessing that was some kind of ritual before entering into the presence of whatever this thing is. Yeah. So to me, I was thinking he was just being OCD. No, I think it was something because, I mean, obviously we find out really quickly that this guy was obviously a demonologist or had something in there because um, they, they find out that that fourth book is, is somewhere is hidden in the back of that uh, storage unit where they find that false that false wall. And then you see all the Bible pages hung over there. And really, the if, if I have one critique of this episode, it, it, my only critique is, is some of the CGI at the end. Uh, when you see yeah. the monster with the, with the tentacles and everything, which I'm a big fan of Lovecraft, so I, I love me some tentacles. But it, I, I do think that was a little bit, not like that, Jason. Uh, that's not my, <laughs> I mean, nothing, no, nothing against people out there that like to see their tentacles in, you know, whatever manner they want to see them in. But I, I more so want to see them killing somebody than, I think I'm putting them in their orifices, I guess, if it's relating to death. But anyhow, I, I, digress. I digress. That's what you were getting, Jason. You really digressed. Don't, don't, shake, don't shake your head at me. <laughs> um, and then a, a couple of things they did that was really cool, too. So towards the end, obviously, they find the, this demon inside of a pentagram. And the guy, the demonologist, tells him, do not step into the across that line or step into the circle. First thing he does, steps right into the circle. Like he could have easily walked around it, and at first it kind of bugged me. So I was like, he could have just walked around the pentagram, but then no, no, I, I realized that that was the purpose of it. He just didn't care. All he can see is three hundred thousand dollars in his future, right? And, and doesn't give a shit who it hurts. And then uh, the, the very end, the very very last scene, which all when you guys talk about, I thought was just uh, beautiful because it was karma coming right back to kick this guy in the ass. Uh, but if we're gonna get more episodes like this in this series, I don't see how we can go wrong because this one was a banger. All right, Jody, go ahead. Yeah, I really like this. This uh, with the weird occult angle and kind of the unearthing all this stuff and finding out more and more because it gives because this is forty five minutes. It just gives you kind of a taste. Like it doesn't go into full detail. It doesn't stretch it out too long. Like there's no wasted time. I feel like in this whole forty five minutes, and you find out just enough to know that there is something very disturbing going on. There's been some kind of demonic thing happening in in this storage unit. The guy sacrificed his own sister, and I like I didn't even get all of what happened. You know, like I feel like maybe I missed a little bit of the story, but I didn't need all of it. Like I got enough to know the guy was up to some some bad stuff. And like, was died. he butchering the animals, and bringing them to his? The, I, the that, that's, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Day? It's whatever this thing he killed and was chopping up. He was bringing some. Something to feed that demon every day. Yeah, and they kind of alluded to that towards the end when they found the demon was basically emaciated um, right. because it had him getting fed, so that's why it was dying. Uh, okay. Yeah, because it had possessed his sister's body at, because he gave his sister to it. So just like all this, like just a, enough lore to make it interesting. The characters I thought were really good. Nick was a very unpleasant person, but he did the job really well of being the protagonist for this story. I liked all the little side characters too. Like the guy who owned the uh, storage units mm -hmm. and had to put up with Nick. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I, they had kind of an interesting dynamic. I like the lady who showed up trying to get her stuff and the weird collectors. Like, 
I, I like when uh, you're doing occult stuff in a movie and the collectors show up and they're all just a little bit strange and the man has a German accent and you could tell like he's into this kind of thing. Like the idea of finding a demon with no face. Yeah, that's like the best day ever for him. Uh, but, but I do like how he was still kind of the, the cautious person at the end. Like, no, we can't go in this room. We can't disturb right. him. Uh, and I, I did like how they did that because you do kind of I was kind of thinking the direction they were going to go is him wanting to get his hands on this demon. But no, right. he more so. I mean, let's be honest. What do you guys call me tomorrow? I was like, hey, you want to see a demon? I'm like, I know we probably shouldn't, but I'm probably going to be like, yeah, I, I kind of do, though. <laughs> but I just don't want to go in the room all the way. I felt he kind of had that wonder about him. Where, but, he, yeah. he, but he was never like that, you know, that, that character. That you just, I, I expected him 100% to end up being, uh, you know, the antagonist or be the guy that forces the, the demon to come yeah. alive or whatever. No, it, it seemed more like he was somebody who was curious about all this stuff. And played around with it, and then was suddenly like confronted by an actual thing, and he's like, "Okay, let's just take a step back here." <laughs> and uh, then Nick, I, so I, I get the thing about Nick wanting the money, but I think once I walked into the room with a body strapped to the ground and a pentagram there, I'd probably at least pause for just a second before getting my money. Well, this is where I kind of think his background's important because he he's obviously because he even mentioned. I mean, I, and one thing to keep in mind too, like um, uh, this is set like in the in, in the early '90s, I think, or mid '90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's in ninety ninety one on the broadcast. Okay, because okay. yeah, well, the intro when the man first dies, you're we're watching um. Uh, the opening moments of Desert Storm, which I don't know about you right. guys, I vividly remember watching that on TV. As oh, a yeah, kid. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I saw that, I was like, oh, flashback to in my grandparents' kitchen watching that. Um, but uh, I, I think that's one thing that they, I think that's one reason why I, I, I think it does fit with his character to, to run in after the money because the shit he's seen in the war and he's down on his luck, I don't think. I think anything could have been in there and he wouldn't, it wouldn't have faced him at that point. It, he was more so just, he wanted to get out of his debt because he obviously owed some people a lot of money and he wanted right. to, he wanted a better life for himself. So I think he definitely would have done that. Yeah. I, I didn't mention it in my synopsis, but the guys who owe him money uh, came and bashed in his car or truck window with a hammer, then smacked him in the forehead with that same hammer and then busted up his windshield. So yeah, this is not the kind of person you want to owe money to. So yeah. I can understand that was the wanting IRS. to get out of that very quickly. That was one of those new IRS agents in training. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, I'm hopping. I like this episode a lot. I thought the ending was a little rushed, and I was I was expecting Eddie to show up for him to have some consequence. Um. I kind of wanted like another beat or two before the wrap up. Uh, maybe I was expecting uh the woman that whose uh, lot he took to like maybe like save him at the last second to try to teach him a lesson, but then they, they give him another, like another fuck you or something. I don't know. There was the, it didn't, the ending didn't quite stick for me, but everything else I really loved. I love the production design. I don't know if it's Guillermo del Toro's influence, but there's so many details. Like they could have just had a table with a pentagram on and call it stay on sale. But no, there were like runes like etched into the table. It just looks so beautiful. Um, well, in, just... in that storage unit, even like the chairs looked mm -hmm. really cool. Like, everything had a theme to it that, like, an mm -hmm. occult kind of just off the beaten path theme, which was really neat. Right, and then I did. It was kind of annoying how they had the plot device of the lights that you had to turn, and they, they would go off and after like one minute. <laughs> that, that 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 got a little like I like the concept because that's really freaky to me to be like stuck mm -hmm. somewhere like underground with with the lights shutting off. 
but they didn't what? like time it very well. Dude, have you ever been? Yeah, in- I, I, I could I couldn't quite figure out what was going on at first because they kept running over to the wall when the lights were off, and then f- I think about halfway through the episode, they finally show the little dial. Mm-hmm. And I remember like little dials like that, like in my grandma's house. Oh, yes. They had like a little heater above the toilet, like in the bathroom, and you turn the dial and it would warm up the room for a brief period of time. I think I I did notice that when it was cutting off very quickly, I don't think he was turning it all the way. Like he was just turning it mm-hmm. enough to get the lights back okay. on and not like actually cranking it all the way yeah. through. And if you've ever been in, in like old storage units like that, they still have those here in Vegas. I guarantee you, where you have stuff to turn the lights because oh, yeah. people leave the lights on all the time. So I actually thought that added a little bit of tension because when the lights well, it, went off, it made sense. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a demonic entity. Obviously, it was just yeah. uh, adds a little bit of creepiness. The concept of it works really well for me, but I just felt like it just happened too quickly. Like oh, it gotcha. felt like you just turn it and then like literally thirty seconds later, you'd have to go turn it again. Maybe it wasn't doing it all the way or. Maybe it was, he, they talked about how old the storage units were. Maybe that was a part yeah. of it. It was just thinking my logic brain that got caught up in that. Um, but again, this is a really, really good start. Again, I don't feel like the ending quite hit as well with me. I wanted like just a, a little bit more ploppy. But um, again, you talked about the direction and the cinematography is great. Well, that's because this is directed by Guillermo Navarro. He was the uh, director of photography for From Dust Till Dawn, Jackie Brown. Spawn, Spy Kids, Devil's Backbone, The Night Museum series, Hellboy, and Pacific Rim, among many, many others. And he also directed episodes of the TV show Hannibal. That's awesome. So, yeah, he hats off to, the, to him because he did a great job. Um, just talking about the cast a little bit, Nick is played by Tim Blake Nelson, who's low-key a really, really good actor. He doesn't do many big showy parts. Um, he was recently in Nightmare Alley in the Watchmen series. It's like Probably my favorite character in the Watchmen series. And then he was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where Art Thou? Um, one, of the soggy, like, one of the soggy bottom boys. Yeah. So he's a, he's had a really like low-key, fun career. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't place him until I saw uh, where you'd written down Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know that guy now. Um, the woman, uh, Amelia, whose uh, lot they take over. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to say this right. Elpedia. Carrillo. Um, she was Anna from the Predator movies or the first Predator movie. Oh, nice. Um, and then Eddie's played by Demetrius Gross. He's in Fear of the Walking Dead, Westworld, Justified. Again, it's nice having modern uh, references to talk about. And then, um, oh, I, I skipped over the other guy. Roland, like the cultist, is played by Sebastian Roach. Um, he was a man in the High Castle. He's also in Last of the Weekends. And then this other woman that there was at the um, place where they took the items. Uh, the character's name is Agatha. She's played by Martha Burns. The only thing I really recognized was the um, Stephen King miniseries, Storm of the Century. But again, really good cast. Really well-made episode. Um, I just kind of wanted a little bit more. Again, I, the, the, I didn't quite understand what the point of putting it in the 1991 setting. I was, again, I was expecting that to kind of like have a some sort of consequence. The, the um, only thing I could figure from that is we're dealing with somebody who grew up in Germany during Nazi Germany. Yeah. And he'd be real freaking old now. If yeah. it was okay. in modern times, just, just the age. 
Age-wise, okay, I can buy that. Age-wise, I always think it's a really good technique to uh, basically immediately eliminate the need for cell phones or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I, I think it the, does add to the ending where he's trapped in there, and that's why he has no way. He can't call anybody to come get him out. He can't call the police. He's just trapped yeah. now in this warehouse with this fucking demon. Yeah, okay. The, those reasons make more sense now. Um, I guess I was looking for a thematic reason. Mm-hmm. and I, was, I guess I was looking for the themes of the episode that they were hinting at to kind of come together. And then, you know, I guess... Yeah, her giving him the finger, running away, basically. Um, I, I guess I was thinking else a little bit deeper, but not not everything has to save race relations in this country. So, um, for what it was, it was very very good. Yeah, no, I I, I think my favorite part about this is just the atmosphere of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was oozing with atmosphere. Everything from like you were saying, Mondo, the the chairs and the set decorations and everything just the the storage unit looked damp and wet and you know moldy like you could almost smell the place just looking at it and then you go to the occultist place and it's got all of these creepy kind of things around and antique like this this had a lot of weight to the atmosphere and i, I really enjoyed that part of it well the, the, there was like the moment where they opened the fig wall to get to the back mm-hmm. area and they're both hit with like a smell like you there's yeah. a part of your brain that kind of knew what that might smell like or what each person's idea of like and a wall of smell. If I'm not mistaken, too, I, I think Nick says something about, oh, God, that smells terrible. And uh, the demonologist kind of likes it. <laughs> he kind of says something yeah. effective like, oh, that means we're close or something. Yeah, it's something like a cat marking its territory. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great line. And man, the, the, the Bible, the Bible page is pasted to the wall mm-hmm. too, and Crucifixes. which is always an interesting thing in in these kind of occult films, and and also you know draw a parallel too. You know, you can go back and read all about the Nazis in the occult, and about mm-hmm. how like, Hitler was really into the occult. It was actually had you know teams going out to try to dig up artifacts. They're looking for like uh, the Holy Grail and the Shroud of Turin and whatever. They thought those artifacts would bring them power. Um, but it's also funny when you see like these, it's a common trope in these, these things with a demonologist or whoever I'm just call, I'm referring to the old man. I'm referring to kind of both of them. I guess the old man, I would say, even though he was into who they, they called a truly evil person was still af- an, an afraid enough of what he was unleashing to try to, you know, hold it there with the Bible verses and everything. Yeah. Mm. Which I always think is funny is that you want to unleash this evil in the world, but you're still kind of afraid of it. Yeah. Play with power you don't know what yeah. to do with. I like it. All right. Well, we don't have a comic to compare it to. Um, do we have any final thoughts before we go to our rating? So I always, when you mentioned Jason about how like you wanted a little bit more out of the ending, I always wonder though like where they could go next. And then I was just thinking about this. I just want to see this tentacle creature just with a man's body and all these tentacles coming up, just walking into the street, absorbing people for like <laughs> hours. Yeah. <laughs> And so no, I, guess, I thought the creep. I mean, yeah, the CG wasn't the best, but I, I still thought it was very cool. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, again, uh, with a forty-five minute episode, probably not a giant budget. Uh, we're we're, we're going to see some corners get cut here and there, um, yeah. as we would with Tales from the Crypt. To be honest with you, so uh, I'm yeah. to- I'm totally fine with it. it. Doesn't bother. Yeah, me. no, I think it was an acceptable TV budget. Yeah. I think really some of that bad CGI only bothers me when you have these like giant motion pictures that and you then, yeah. you, then you'll see some terrible CGI. And it's like, come on, guys, you guys spent a hundred million dollars on this film and you couldn't get the fucking fire right. Right. All right. So let's move to our reading. Uh, Jody. Yes, five. So 
Okay, so I don't know how to compare this to anything else that's coming, so I'm just, just going to go based on how yeah. I felt about it. I'm going to give this one a four out of five. I just, I really enjoyed it. Armando. I'm going a little bit higher. I'm going four and a half out of five. Uh, it wasn't a perfect episode, but I do, again, like I. I love a good demon story. I love all that whole the mythos behind when they start getting the mythos behind that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It just it, it tickles my fancy. And you give me some tentacles, some like some Cthulhu tentacles at the end, and I'm a, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. So four and a half. I'm gonna go slightly lower. I'm going to three point five. Very very promising. Just didn't quite stick it with me. Um, but I'm really excited to see where we go. Yeah. Oh. No. After after watching this first episode, it took everything in me not to just go ahead and start binging the series. Cause yeah, uh, I, 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 was, told, I was thinking that too. I said the same thing. Like I just want to start watching all the episodes. I'm like, no, because I'm gonna have to watch them again. I want to. I want when we talk about it to be a fresh watch. Right. Yeah. I, I had to force myself not to. Yeah, because it's. Uh, no. I'm excited for the next. Uh, what, Very seven excited more? for where we're going. Yeah, and we've got one by Panos uh, Cosmatos. Yes. Uh, the guy who directed Mandy, like, mm-hmm. come on, that's yes, gonna that's be nuts. Crazy. We know it. Yeah, and, and the fact I was, I was wondering if he has like a new movie or anything coming out soon. So this is cool. And what they're doing, taste. the Pickman's model, which is a Lovecraft story. Yes, because because you know Del Toro feels about Lovecraft. And then yeah. uh, what they have, uh, what's the next one? Um, uh, fucking Dreams in the Witch Dreams House. Dreams in the Witch House. Yeah, which is also one that they did for Masters of Horror. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was Mick Garris. Yeah, I think so. Some or. Uh, or Stuart Gordon, maybe. But Stuart Gordon, I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. Um, hmm. but so I'm looking forward to, to what we have coming up. Funny note, I sat next to Mick Garris's wife this weekend. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Completely unknowing. And turns out she played the woman in the bathtub in the Shining miniseries. Oh, really? So I went to I went to a, a panel hosted by Mick Garris and Mike Flanagan about their Shining movies. So he mentioned that. And afterwards, I, I turned to her and says, you know, you scared the crap out of me when I was a kid, right? She's like, good. <laughs> did, did you, Um, I, I saw, did you also get to watch the mean one? Yes. Well, yeah, we'll talk about, let's say that for horror news. Okay. Okay. But, um, all right. Well, no Al anecdotes. He's taking a little break, but Mondo, give us your song of the day. I mean, if Al wants to just talk about this episode, he can jump in with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, song of the day. So uh, in light of real world events that have happened recently, uh, what, you know, what happened in Colorado, I like to go a little bit. So there's in, in, in my, 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 my beloved genre of black metal, there's a lot of shit bags in the genre. Uh, the genre does bring out the worst in some people. There's a lot of great people in the, in the, in the genre too, but there are a lot of bands. I'm looking at you, Burzum. I'm looking at you fucking, there's all, I can name all kinds of bands that, um, their morals do not really align with most common decent people's morals and uh so i kind of want to go uh pivot a little bit and, and go with uh some of the uh, lesser known bands in the genre so today i have a, a band called wolven daughter which is a one person uh, black metal project based out of kentucky and it is a uh it is a it is a female um who's a, a, tra- a trans female and goes by goes by trans female too, so I, I feel comfortable saying that. You can find her on uh, Instagram or Twitter at Wolven Daughter, but the W is not W; it's two V's, so V V Wolven Daughter. And, Wolven. Uh, yes. So I, I do like in, in a genre that's filled with a lot of fucking Nazi douchebags, and I mean, there's a whole subgenre of black metal called neo socialist black metal. Doesn't take a genius to figure out what that's about. And in a genre filled with people who are very intolerant of other people's uh, beliefs, I kind of want to highlight 
people on their side of the spectrum. So this is gonna be the first one. And uh, she she's released like I think three EPs in the last year. But and, and the first one, I'm not gonna lie, the first one she did I didn't like. I was like, yeah, this is just some very generic black metal. But she had some good ideas in there. But then she released her newest one I think in June. And it's, and it's self-titled and much, much better. She's got some really, really good, really good song structure going on with still the traditional kind of really grim production, but you can still hear all the instruments. But above all else, she has a really great knack for songwriting. And that's kind of like what I look for in my music nowadays. Like anyone can fucking record something on a Casio recorder and make it sound grim and evil, but I need you to give me something and give me some good songwriting. So a song I want to choose is off her latest um, EP, uh, self-titled, uh, so Wolven Daughter, uh, and the song I'm going to pick is going to be called The Horror of an Un... Yeah, I can't speak today. The Horror of an Unknowable God. So check her out on Bandcap. It's uh, wolvendaughter.bandcamp.com, uh, not on any of the streaming services. Support mm. artists, people. Spend, spend a few bucks. I, I think you can buy the digital album for, like, it's name your price. So uh, throw a few bucks to, to her on Bandcamp. Check it out and check out, um, uh, what, you know, I guess uh, one of the minority groups inside the black metal scene. And it's really cool seeing more and more people her saying like fuck the nazis fuck all these pieces of shit in the scene we're gonna carve our own path out and we're gonna we're gonna make this genre our own so um uh, shout out to, to woven daughter for being pretty fucking brave in a sea of a uh, very homogenized uh let's be honest like fucking the metal scene is like what 99 percent uh white males um 99 and a half percent if you have a bald head gentlemen uh but <laughs> So it, it, it's cool anytime you see uh, someone really trying to uh, really stepping out of, the, of that mold and, and making some great music. Is she on social media? Yes, um, Twitter. Send me, remember, send again, me like the yeah, Wolf Tiger, Wolven Daughter again with the two V's instead of a W. Yeah, I'm probably gonna screw that up. So, so send me uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we link it in our um, in our in our episode description. Yeah, and send me the Bandcamp. I want to check that out. Cool, definitely, we'll do. All right. Thank you, Mondo. Jody, give us some horror news. All right. So, uh, are we all Mike Flanagan fans here? I know I'm a huge Mike um, Flanagan fan. I mean, if not, I was like why five are we even feet talking? From- yeah. So, uh, Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy's company, Intrepid Pictures, their contract with Netflix has expired, but they have a brand new deal with Amazon Prime and uh, get to make a lot more... Um, of the things that they're known for, but also more movies. He said he wants to get more theatrical releases because he's been making all these Netflix movies. Hasn't had a lot in theaters recently. And, uh, our friend, Dr. Natalie had a discussion with Mike Flanagan the other day at, um, the, uh, the same convention you were at, I think, right? Season screamings. Yeah. It was yes. today. It was yeah. Today. So he, he, they had a discussion and, uh, he said one of the benefits to working with Amazon is they will do physical releases uh, something mm. Netflix just does not do, but I would love to have like Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass on a very nice Blu-ray. So I'm very excited about the idea that he can actually do more of that with Amazon. That's awesome, and sad to speak too. We just found out that uh, Netflix will not be doing another season of Midnight Club. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that's just if it's because his contract was running out at the same time, and I don't know. But either way. I love Mike Flanagan. He makes great stuff. If you don't fall, if you have a TikTok and you don't follow Mike Flanagan, you are missing out because he's one of the funniest guys on TikTok, which is really surprising. But like, he is hilarious. Ooh, I'm missing out. Then I'll have to, I'll have to look him up on there. Yeah, he's he's really funny. He talks. Uh, there was one of them where he talked about. Uh, 
it was user error uh like fan questions and it was what do you like more monologues or kate kate siegel and he said well kate siegel and then he sits there for a second like his face straining and she's like you're gonna do it aren't you and then he goes into a monologue about (laughs) how i can remember the first time i ever met her it's like a summer day it's just fantastic great stuff i love it uh he also has another one about making us cry and uh, how he loves to drink our tears, and that's why he does it. <laughs> uh, Mike Flanagan, too, has a heated Oculus. Yeah, I love Oculus. No, me too. And it's kind of funny because that's when WWE was, was first starting to get into films, mm-hmm. and they actually were the producers on that. So everyone kind of wrote that movie off before it ever came out, before it ever was even thinking, oh, it's going to be just a cash-in, it's going to be a piece of crap. And then he went in there and just made this awesome movie. Yeah, That, I think, kind of blew everybody away. That may be one of my favorite Flanagan projects. Really, yeah. Outside of, outside of the shows. Midnight well, Mass did, is my um, favorite thing he's ever made. But. I think he did Hush, which is really He did Hush, movie. yeah. Yeah. Hush. Just Great twist on the slasher. Man, yeah, mm-hmm. what a what a smart twist in that. And what's yeah. funny is uh, someone's just saying, if you go back and watch Hush, there are Easter eggs um, mm-hmm. as like, the book she's writing that allude to other characters and other shows he, he eventually did, which is so cool. The Flanders. I went to his um, panel again about Dr. Sleep and yeah, it was really cool. And they had Henry Thomas who played the Jack Torrance. Yeah. Cameo. And it was really cool to hear them talk about how they approached that, you know, with a very, very, very carefully. And basically Henry Thomas was there for a month. He only needed to be there for one day of shooting, but they had him there for like a month before that, trying on different wigs, trying different like (laughs) approaches and everything. So uh, it was really cool to hear about, you know, all the dedication this actor put in for one day's work for like a couple minute scene, but of an iconic character. That's awesome. That's another one of his great TikToks, too. They, someone asked him if, why he works with all the same actors all the time. He says he has very bad vision and he keeps getting tricked. He thought he was casting Tom Cruise and it was just, uh, <laughs> all, you know, all these people he works with all the time in disguise. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely worth follow. All right. Uh, more news. The Cocaine Bear trailer has been released, and uh, it's just as crazy and bloody as you would think. Uh, For those of y'all who don't live in a place where y'all is something said on a common basis, Cocaine Bear is a real story (laughs) about, uh, in Kentucky, uh, a drug dealer was flying a plane and had to drop some of his stash, and a bear out in the woods ate 80 pounds of cocaine. Now, in reality, that killed the bear. Yeah, that's what happens when you eat 80 pounds of cocaine. But in the movie, it drives the bear insane and bloody violence ensues. Watching the trailer and realizing the bear is going to have an internal monologue during this movie uh, immediately makes me a fan. Like, I'm I'm so excited for this. Yeah, that's definitely like, you know, stakes on the plane and the kind of, you know, just over the top silliness. And I'm here for that. Yeah, everybody knows and your anaconda don't want no, don't want none unless you've got buns, hon. An ice cube did not have a good day. <laughs> did you ever see that one, that guy who figured out like what day Ice Cube's good day was? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen it, look up Ice Cube's good day. He literally found the perfect, like this is the only day like in history that the weather was perfect. No one got, uh, no Lakers one got beat the Supersonics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's only a handful of days that all this stuff came together. Man, uh, how many of you remember hearing that song when you're way too young to hear that song? And you're like, yeah, my dick runs deep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm nine, but <laughs> I didn't have to use Alaska for anything. 
Oh, well done. Well done, sir. (laughs) Some uh, geography humor there. I saw a t-shirt that said that. Uh, I like that I went total lowbrow, and then Jason came over that highbrow comedy. So wrap that shit up. Got all sides here. Um, (laughs) So I I haven't listened to last week's episode yet because I'm still catching up. Jason, did you mention uh, the new uh, public domain movie coming out, Bambi the Reckoning? No. Okay, so... (laughs) There is another movie being made by taking a beloved children's property and making a horror movie out of it. This from the same people who are making Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and whatever that Peter Pan one is. Uh, They're making Bambi the Reckoning, uh, where Bambi becomes a vicious killing machine. And (laughs) the thing that really (laughs) makes me interested in this is they said they found inspiration in the design used in Netflix's The Ritual. Oh, God. What? I have no idea how this is coming together. <laughs> but that monster in the ritual was one of the coolest monsters I've seen in a long time. I don't know how it relates to Bambi, but I'm I'm in. I'm in well, to find out. Real fast. Has anybody seen? Is the Winnie the Pooh movie actually out? I don't yet. think so yet. I think it comes out but early next year. What I will say is the trailer made it look way better than yeah. it had any. I mean, oh, they're actually trying. And it actually looks pretty good. Well, and I think the same team is making Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. They're making the Peter Pan one and this new Bambi one. They found their niche, finding public domain things and making twisted versions of them. And again, more power to them. If they can do them good. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting waiting to see if it's any good. This this concept sounds like it'd be better as an anthology, like a half hour, 40 minute of each one of these. I don't know if I'd want to sit through a whole movie of that. Yeah, we'll I don't see. know. I've the sat through one? a lot of slashers with worse uh, concepts yeah, than Winnie like, the Pooh. If they're an hour and 15, hour, maybe up to an hour and 30, I'm in for it. Just We don't yeah. need a two-hour and six-minute Winnie the Pooh slasher film. <laughs> no, no, no. Terrifier 2 length. So not, not, all, not all movies can be Terrifier 2 and make two hours and 20 minutes work. Uh, most slashers cannot. So there, there's a, uh, a, a God, an internet comic. If I can find it, I'll, I'll link it when we do this. But it's a... Uh, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys meeting Captain Hook. And they're basically like, we're going to stop you, Captain Hook. And he's like, hold on a second. You guys call me Captain Hook? Is that because I, I lost my hand? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, wow, that's rude. My dad's also, my parents are also dead. Why don't you call me Captain Dead Parents? <laughs> <laughs> but um, while we're on yeah. the topic of public domain movies or twisted childhood movies, Jason, what, yeah, what so they had a, the mean one? Yeah, so they had the surprise screening at uh, Season of Screamings, and I hung around for that. And I'm glad I did because there was the mean one, which is basically another public domain. They never actually they don't actually say Grinch, but it's basically the homicidal Grinch. And it's funny because they play with that a lot, where someone's like about to say it, and then someone like yells something from behind <laughs> behind them. <laughs> so, and that's and, a David Howard Thornton, David Howard Thornton, right? Uh, playing yeah. playing the mean one, right? Playing the mean one, yeah. He does a great job. Like it's not as good as art because that. They probably had the even smaller budget than the first Terrifier movie, but actually the, the they had a Q and A. So the director talked about he's actually friends with all those guys. So they kind of, he kind of like borrowed a lot of their stuff, including their actor, um, because you know Terrifier two was actually filmed like two years ago or something like that. But then COVID, I think, hap- but COVID happened and they got delayed. So you know a lot of those actors and some people had like nothing to do for a little while. So they, well, they kind of hopped on this. Yeah. They we- actually filmed this back last May. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was a really quick turnaround. And I, I, again, it's a festival screening, so there's a crowd that's really into it. I thought it was really fun. It it struck a really good tone of being silly and serious. Like, 
the the tone is silly, but the actors are playing it so serious. That was actually really, really funny. Yeah, nice. in, in my old age, one thing I'm trying to stay out of is like old man yelling at clouds territory, right? I just get <laughs> mad over everything. Like I'm, dude, I'm, I'm all for just fun horror movies. Like just let me have fun yeah. for an hour and a half. To I don't, I don't give a shit. Like it doesn't need to be Citizen Kane. Yeah, no. Yeah, like I said earlier, not every movie needs to solve some social economic issue. Some movies just want to be bloody fun, and yeah. this definitely was. And what's, what's really funny is, yes, there actually is a training montage. And suddenly, like the the main the main female character, like she's been like you know it's supposed to be winter, so she's like wearing parkers and stuff this whole time. Even though they filmed it in May, it was really hot. But the for a stream montage, she takes off her jacket. She's actually really buff, not like really buff, <laughs> but like noticeably buff. And it, it, it's it's a joke. But later in the Q and A, uh, Dead Meat James was saying, "Yeah, she look, almost looked like Ronda Rousey." And the the she the actress was there, and she said, "Actually, I used to double for her for some of her movies." Oh, that's oh funny. wow, that's funny. <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great gags in there that are like, yeah. Do you, do you, would you ever expect a training montage in a, a homicidal Grinch movie? No, but it's there and it's awesome. Hey, if I got a training montage and repossessed, I want a training montage in every uh, in every parody film. Fuck yeah, I love repossessed. <laughs> oh, by man. the way, that's so, good so good. Um, any word on release date for or wider release on that VOD or? Anything? Oh yeah, it actually comes out December eighth. So by the time this comes out, it'll be. It, they have a one week theater um, engagements. And then they're saying they're getting pushed out by Avatar. Um, yeah. But, you know, if they do well enough, maybe they'll get some more. And I'm sure it'll be streaming soon enough. I'm just throwing this out there. But maybe we do one of our Patreon watching chats. Uh, maybe a double feature of that movie and Santa's sleigh. <laughs> I, don't I, don't know know. If I, can, I don't know if I can sit through two, <laughs> do two movies. Have, but. have you seen Santa's sleigh? I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. Okay, then you. I don't, have, I, like, huh? I don't know if I cautiously stuff. sat down and watched oh, it's, it. It's, it's, a, it's a Christmas ritual in our household. Yeah, I'd, be I, down, I'd be down to watch that. I don't think I watched it until like last year or the year before. Like I, I had avoided it because it looked bad, but man, it's fun. Dude, I've been screaming about how much I love that movie for years, Jody. That's like, yeah. my, I love that movie so, so much. Because it's, it's again, uh, we talk about how, uh, you know, a horror movie doesn't need to solve all mm-hmm. society's problems. All this movie's looking to do is make you laugh and make you smile. Right. It's, it's fucking Bill Goldberg, a, a Jewish man playing Santa Claus. Like, like come on. Okay. Oh, here's another one. So we were me and my wife were going through HBO Max um, mm-hmm. last week and just looking for something fun and light to watch. So we saw this movie called Santa Camp. And okay. you're like, okay, fine. You know, sure. We heard, my wife saw something about it, and we're watching it. And it's about a camp put on by these gentlemen that have like a Santa society in New England. So it's all these elderly white guys with big beards. And decided that this year they want to branch out. So they fought, they invite a um, African American man who was actually being harassed by his neighbors for putting up like an inflatable black Santa. They get another gentleman who um, has fibromyalgia, um, and was told like his, they told his mother that like he wouldn't live past a certain age and everything. But now he like he's an adult. He wants to be. He loves Santa Claus. His dream is to be in the Santa parade. And then there's a trans Santa. Um, mm-hmm. You know who wants to be a Santa for you know the the uh, pride community, and man, I was bawling at the end of this documentary. <laughs> I was expecting something really light, like you know, this is how to be Santa. But no, it it really got me in the feels. You know, that's nice. cool though, just to see again, like a very homogenized community trying to uh, who mm-hmm. recognizes, hey, we really like like oh shit, it's really pale in this fucking place. Like, are we maybe we should get some different. Uh, people from different walks of life. That's cool, man. That's cool. I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah. 
And I mean, there was definitely like some of the guys were like struggling to like adapt, but at least they were trying. Their hearts were in the place, but they were trying to be open to it. And you know, you know, when I was really young, like uh, I think I worked at Target from the age of like seventeen to like twenty one or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I still remember one year because I used to work in the side. My I was the lead of the seasonal department when I was young. Uh, I was like eight, seventeen, or eighteen, and we got in um, those big, the big plastic Santas, but we only got in the black ones. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We just stopped on the shelf. Didn't think of it, dude. All fucking day, I dealt with, no offense, but white people coming in mm-hmm. bitching that all we have are black Santas, and like I want a Santa that looks like me. I'm like, fuck, dude. I don't know what to tell you. We didn't get him in. Like, people were just are you mad. A fat man with a big beard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like, just and I, you know, when I was younger, I didn't think much of. I just thought, oh, these people were just mm-hmm. fucking dumb. But later, I'm like, man, like. It's one of those things that when you don't have, when you're so used to having representation, it's like the yeah. second they didn't have representation, they were so mad. Yet oh, yeah. you have mm-hmm. minorities that go for so long without representation. These these communities, so that's really cool to see that they're trying to expand. And you know, like I like, and, and granted, like again, we're, you know, we're we're kind of looking at society now from a different lens than we did when we were younger, which is good. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a very positive way. We've all hopefully changed. You know. No one should think the same way at 18 as they do at 40. Like, and, and I mean that for better. Like, you should be wiser, yeah. more experienced, have different experiences. But like, I wonder, like, for young kids, just to see a, a Santa that's like them, um, how much that means to them. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Yeah, we, we we were accidentally progressive this year because um, one thing that my mom always does for the kids every year at Christmas is buy like Christmas pajamas for all the kids to like wear and take pictures and stuff. <laughs> and this year, when she placed her order, she didn't notice, uh, but all the pajamas she ordered have black Santas on them. Nice. And uh, she was like, is, is everyone okay? And like, everyone's fine. Everyone's perfectly happy. We all have representational Santas this year. And you know what? I, I, it's kind of cool. It's uh, I saw a story on Twitter from a, a, someone I follow who posted that his son uh, wanted the dress. So they're at Target. Mm-hmm. He bought him a dress. And he goes, and then he was outside playing with his friends. His friend runs to me and goes, why is, I'm, I'm going to just guess a name here. Why is Dylan wearing a dress? And his dad goes, because he wanted to wear one. He goes, okay. And went back to playing. Yeah. Like, that's how society should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, any, anytime you ask, like, Gen Zers, you know, like, uh, are, are you okay with this? They're like, yeah, sure. Why Why would I not be okay with this? Yeah. So that's, it's, it's kind of nice. I, I, when... Growing or now that I have a lot of uh, younger kids in my house, the way that they just kind of brush off stuff that would have been a big deal 30 years ago is just fantastic. I, I think they give me a lot of hope for the future sometimes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to my mom again, my child being who, who actually just turned 22 days ago. Um, happy oh. birthday to, to my child and happy birthday to my dog, Abby, who celebrated her quinceanera today. But <laughs> yeah, tell us what the quinceanera. Well, we did all our favorite things. So we, I, I gave her an egg for breakfast, and then we <laughs> went to the we went to PetSmart and picked out some some toys. Some uh, some she doesn't like toys, so we picked out some treats. And then we went to Tanay Creek Brewery because she loves beer, and she got to taste a little bit of beer. And we gave her a bunch <laughs> of treats. Then we went, then we went to the dog park where she met she met a bunch of huskies. She tried to get into a fight with a husky. This, this bitch is a Chihuahua Terrier mix that weighs twelve pounds, and she's oh like, God. I'm gonna fight these three husky motherfuckers. Because <laughs> she's she's a fucking chihuahua, they live off spite, and then uh, yeah, we came home. And and my, um, yeah, yeah, and my wife made her a. Uh, you know what? She likes beer, and I don't give her very much of it. I think at one point she's an alcoholic. <laughs> 
Because I would give her a taste of my beer like every day. Um, and then when I was working for Apple one night, I can't remember. I came around 11 p.m. from me. Kel's already asleep because she worked mornings. I worked nights. Uh, the fun of retail back in the day. And I sat on the couch. I cracked open a beer. And then I hear dunk. And was like, let me get in on this shit. So we gave her a little sip of beer. And then she's, and we have right now tonight after we finish this up, she's going to get my, my wife made her a banana cream dog pie. Because she, because her her favorite food in the world is bananas. Like if she sees you go for banana, she's like, oh shit, Uh, this is the day. (laughs) But backtracking, also my daughter's birthday, (laughs) her (laughs) her twentieth birthday. So I bought her new car tires because someone slashed two of her tires in her apartment complex. So I went and bought her new tires. And then uh, I took out. We took her out to dinner on Thursday. I went to Nightmare Cafe Las Vegas, which is a cool place. If you guys haven't, it's it's family friendly every night, but Friday and Saturday nights they close it down just for adults because all they're serving are tons of people with liquor. But really cool horror themed um, bar next to Nightmare Toys, which is a a, oh, cool. a, a, yeah. a shop um, based well, usually based in Alabama, then based out here, but. Just what I want to say. I've had a lot of conversations with, uh, with with her, you know, about just various things. And the one thing that always strikes me is, again, like kids always don't see the big picture, and that's okay because they're learning, right? And I, I see a lot of that when, when I was that age. You guys probably see that in yourselves, and you were that age. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that in your kids as they get older. But just the like the mental and emo- the emotional maturity of, of of kids nowadays eclipses mm-hmm. like what most adults deal with nowadays or, or or have have nowadays and it's really really nice to see that like the future is inclusive the future yeah. is mental health positive um the future is going to be about like i think we're going to you know do what the boomer should have done <laughs> And and make society more about a little bit more about love and a little bit more about loving everybody and a little bit less about hate and trying to, uh, you know, separate each other by our differences. So I, I've I know a lot of people out there are like I have no hope, no faith in the youth. Nah, man, I got a lot of faith. I got a lot. They of, haven't been around teenagers exactly. If that's what saying. Yeah. I have I have a lot of faith in the youth, and and I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I think people like you guys are raising good kids. I have a lot of friends that are raising good kids, and I think like you know what, man, like. Yeah, maybe if we're a little bit less economically aggressive, but we're more into just letting everybody live the life they want to live and have a good life no matter what their color, their sexual orientation, whatever, that's more important in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, I think about some of the things that we casually said when I was a teenager and knowing that teenagers today would like be horrified Dude, by the, like, the jokes and stuff yeah. we told. Yeah, and that's a good that's, thing. It's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I don't, I don't mean that like to... <sighs> I, I, like I'm not saying we should have made those jokes. We should have said those things, but it was a different era when we yeah. didn't have the hate behind them. But I'm sure, like me, well, you'll remember somebody who said it. You're like, ah, uh, uh. yeah. <laughs> like, but but we've gotten older and learned, and that's that's a good thing because some people, yeah, right. I still hear people use words like that for stupid reasons, and it hits me kind of hard as a as a father of someone in, in the LGBTQ community, and I'm just like. You know, I almost got into some shit with the guy at my favorite brewery because, and I wasn't being a dick to him. I just said, dude, like, I don't think you're being hateful. I don't think you mean anything hateful by that. But I just think you're also my age and you can think of a better word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One I, one of my favorite quotes, I, I can't remember which of the Beast Boys said it, but someone, someone was uh, interviewing him talking about, you know, how they, they probably all shouted they used to it. Say. They probably sh- all shouted the quote at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, no. Well, they're asking like you know. You said these are your lyrics that you know they don't really use anymore. These things. They said, well, I'd rather, I'd rather. Oh God, I'd rather 
be someone that I'd rather admit that I was wrong than be the same person I was, you know, yeah. rather be a hypocrite than, than mm-hmm. be a hypocrite. I'd rather yeah. be wrong than be a hypocrite. And, and you know, it, it's sometimes too, when they, when they unearth sure that, no, no, I get what you mean though. It's also too, sometimes when they unearth like a tweet that a director said from when they were 18 or 17 and, and try to, and, and I, I have more respect for when the person will come out and be like, yeah, no, I definitely said those things. I wasn't in the, you know, this is how yeah. I thought when I was, I was young and I was dumb. I don't think yeah. that way anymore. And no, I never should have said it. I respect when people do say that because it, as long as they have no other history of, of doing that kind of thing. Right. Right. Okay. The quote was, I'd rather be a hypocrite than the same person. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that. And it's, and I, I forgot what it was during, you know, again, all the nasty political debates we get. And they had called out some senator or some congressperson uh, for, over something they had said on an interview like 20 years ago, 20 years ago. And they're like, yeah, yeah, 100%. That's how I thought back then. And I was wrong. And I learned and got better. And now I don't think that way anymore. And and they're like yeah. vilifying them for it. And I'm like, no, that's like how the human experience should work, right? As you get more experience, gain new knowledge, you might change the way you think about things. Yeah, There's absolutely. nothing wrong with that. You should. <laughs> yeah. It's um there's a quote by someone that said a person who thinks the same way at the age of forty that they did at the age of twenty wasted twenty years of their life. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. or, or some number like that. I don't remember the numbers, but it makes a lot of sense because like, you know, yeah, sure, there are certain things I still believe. You know, like the, the, that metal's the best music in the world, obviously. Horror's the best genre in the world, obviously. But uh, a lot of other things though, like just I've gained new life experiences and don't think that way anymore, no matter what it is. Yeah, I mean, we're already in um, dad advice territory, but um, <laughs> what, one thing I do want to also talk about is uh, the new Wednesday show. Um, Pivot. Because <laughs> I've had the time of my life watching that show with my eight-year-old daughter. She is loving it. We just finished it today. and All she wants to do is lay in bed with me, like nuzzle like her face against like my forehead. Like, but like, she's very, mm-hmm. and a very aggressive, like physical child. She has like a lot of intensity. So when she like puts her head, she's not putting it there. She's like drilling her head up against mine. I've got one of those too. Um, <laughs> she just wants to watch the show and like, it's right. She's eight years old. It's right on the edge of being a little bit scary. Like so the one monster is a little on the scary side and there's a little bit of blood, but they don't really show any gore And the thing, the hand guy thing. Uh, freaked her out at first just seeing it because it's like the way they did it it's more like a cadaver hand of like yeah this is yeah. a hand stitched together um but now but then yesterday when i was at the convention i went around and i bought like every wednesday adam's like picture or sticker whatever i could find that's awesome and uh got them for because she loves it so much so i'm trying to encourage that so you know find ways to introduce and encourage you know your kids to your favorite genres has yeah. she ha- has she seen the movies She's seen the animated one. Okay. She hasn't seen the live action one. Are you going to show those to her next? Um, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that, but she wants to watch it again. So I think we'll be watching the that's same cool. series for a little bit. I yeah, will, I'll probably show, I'll show her the movies. I watched the first two episodes. I could not get into it. Um, but I also, again, I'm not blaming the show. I'm going to blame me mm-hmm. as a busy guy. I was just a lot of work stuff going through my head at the time mm-hmm. i couldn't really focus on it so i'm going to give another shot because i've heard a lot of good things about it and um uh, what's her name jenna ortega jenna ortega yeah. she is yeah. a fantastic actress oh, yeah. as wednesday so uh, i'll definitely give it another shot i mean we, yeah we, we, we haven't started go ahead so if i wasn't watching with my daughter i don't know if i'd stick it the whole way through 
but then but I can't like divorce the experience of watching it with her from the show, which yeah. is fine. That's dude. Those are the memories you should be making. So that's super cool. Yeah, my, my kids and I have always liked watching shows together, movies and stuff like that. And we haven't started Wednesday yet, but it's next on our list after we finish this current season of Cobra Kai, mm. uh, which I'm really enjoying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, uh, fun fact about Cobra Kai. Re- oh, sorry, Robert, some of the um when uh, a spoiler alert for anyone who has not seen the season of Cobra Kai. Uh, have you already been? Have you already gotten to the point where they're expanding the dojo and they have all these different like the, like yeah. senseis? Those are a lot of MMA fighters doing that. Oh, really? Yeah, like yeah. um, like like the black guy is, is Tyron Woodley, who's one of the best fighters it, of all time. So it's kind of really cool seeing like real fighters in those in those roles. There, there is one guy in the background. I don't know who he is, but he has an eye patch and spiky hair, and he looks like an anime supervillain, <laughs> and he's always in the background of every scene. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, Cobra Kai is great. But it just watching stuff with your kids is great. Like, I, I love watching movies with my kids. Um, I'm finally at the point that I have older kids now. And so my 14-year-old and I watched Terrifier 2 this weekend. That's awesome. Oh, That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, he was like, it's not scary. It's pretty gross. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty gross. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Did you watch the first one? We did not watch the first one. The, yeah, I the, think the first one's worse. The, like, the naked woman that. getting split in half is not something I want to yeah. introduce my 14-year-old to yet. <laughs> yet. You, you, you know we'll wait a few years. You know what's interesting about that? And they talked about that on, this on, actually on Bloody and Horror when they reviewed Terrifier 2. And I've heard from some mm-hmm. other people. Is so many people turn the movie off after that um, yeah. uh, that, that that bisection scene because they thought they were about to get like two hours of torture porn. And the, sure. fact, that, and the fact that though like you realize – it's not like just violence. It's, it's not like a, a violence against women movie. It's just art being a piece of shit. And right, right. And, and that that a lot of people say, oh, I eventually went back and rewatched it. Was oh, thank Christ, it wasn't two hours of that. It was better than I expected right. it to be. Still, still not a huge fan of Terrifier one, but the more I watch Terrifier two, like I'm falling down the rabbit hole. Like I, I'm into this stuff. If, if anything, man, like God, uh, David Howard Thor, uh, David Howard Thornton, whatever. Uh, he's so awesome. He's so yeah. good oh, in that he's role. So good. I need like an enamel pin of art with the, the flower sunglasses on. He, yeah, they were yeah. uh, during the mean one, the uh, uh, the Q and A. The director was talking about the first time that David Howard Thorne got the entire Grinch makeup. Mm-hmm. He just went and stood in front of a mirror and just started like, making faces and just like start moving, yeah. like tweaking his face different ways to like work out in his head what he could and couldn't do yeah. or how things looked. His faces are so good. I was talking to my son about it after we watched and he does all the silly faces and everything. But every time like something bad happens, he has this, this like disgusted face. Like, mm-hmm. like he can switch from this like big, happy, smiley clown to this, this angry, disgusted look. And he's so good at all of it. There's, there's one scene in the Halloween store where the guy yells at him and he does like this. <gasps> It's so good. Yes. Everything, every facial expression that man makes is. Perfect. Have you seen like an interview with him, just like being normal, like talking I normal? Yet. I need to. If you, if you, because he does, he seems like the nicest guy. Oh, if you follow him on social media, he's very, very left wing, and most, yeah. and most of his posts are actually about about politics. Um, and uh, he, luckily, he's on the right side of the coin. And, or, right. and then it usually turns into him talking shit to people who are being dickbags. But um, he seems like a super nice dude. Like my wife did a piece of artwork and he commented on her post. He tagged her. He oh, tagged, cool. She tagged nice. him and he's like, awesome work. And then hopefully we'll see him at Days of the Dead and get an autograph. But he seems like such a fucking nice guy. Nice. And even when he was talking about the movie, like he even talks about how blown away he is by it. Like he never expected this. I truly think, man, like 
a terrifier should become the new saw in that it should be mm-hmm. uh, every year we get a new terrifier. Yeah. No, I, I said, you know, some people complain that it's too long and it, it's it, long. it is too long, dude. Like I'm, it is, it is two hours and 20 minutes, but I feel like Damian Leone this time around or Leo, I don't know how to say it. I think it's Leone, but he is not trying to make a slasher movie anymore. He's trying to make a fucking epic and you know, it gets magical. It gets weird. I'm into all of it. I, I, have no I, I, I respect this, and and uh, and this can we can get into a terrifier review someday, a terrifier review someday. But like, I think he needs a good editor just to rein him in just a little bit. Sure. I, again, I don't I can think see that. I know but... some people are saying you can cut 45 minutes out of this film. I'm with you, Jody. You can't cut that much out, but I think you can cut a good 30 minutes, and then the rest can be bonus content in the Blu-ray to make see, it that yeah, much more exciting. See, I'm I'm the guy who always watches the extended edition if it's an option. Oh, I, like I, Lord I, of the Rings, I'll watch all. Freaking twelve hours. Of <laughs> oh yeah, I, 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 I will too. But I want the option to pause. So I can go and take a piss and sure, and get yeah, a beer, yeah, yeah. No, in a theater, you, it'd be a whole different the thing. theater. And that's what I mean. That makes the uh, Blu-ray that much more attractive. Which I'm buying yeah. anyways. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, my Blu-ray's pre-ordered. Yeah, same, same here. Did you get uh, from, <laughs> when, 4, 4K from Best Buy? I could do Steelbook because yeah. I wanted the 4K. <laughs> yeah, it's when, Steelbook. Steelbook's at Walmart, so yeah. that's the one I've got. It's when not, you said that this should be. <laughs> when you said this should be like 4K. the Saw movies, yeah. I'm just imagining like five, ten years from now, they're still making these movies, and there's a scene where Art, there's a flashback scene where Art shows up somewhere with a backwards baseball hat. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see now Art just, just, just rolling into a scene on the tricycle now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does he do that in the first one? Or am I making that up? Uh, he might have. I, it's been a long time. I've seen the first one actually. Yeah. All right. I'm going to well, rectify think, this. Do we, you know, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No. Oh, we, went, we went a lot of places tonight, but you yeah. know what? I had fun. It was a good conversation. Dude, I'm, I'm stoked to, to keep watching this series. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a nice it's kind of nice to take a little bit of break from Tales in the Crypt. Because mm-hmm. I've been doing five seasons straight every week for the past year. I, I'm kind of ready for a little bit of a break, and then we can jump back into it. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been really – I really just the love – Palette cleanser. Yeah, and – but a, yeah. but, a, but a but a beautiful palette cleanser because uh, yeah. yes, uh, I mean yeah. like, and I, I've heard some reviews as some episodes are stronger than others, which is going to happen with any anthology, anthology. any anthology. But yeah. uh, but again though, I really love that we're putting these spotlights on these. Uh, he's doing mainly foreign directors too, right? Mm, I'm not mistaken. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited. I've heard, you know, Jennifer Kent, who did the Babadook. Mm-hmm. I've heard her episode is slow, but I like her stuff enough that I'm willing to deal with slow. And Panos Cosmatos, like, I'd say, I, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of things that are coming up. And, and this may sound dumb, but I really hope if people who listen to our podcast enjoy our positivity. Because yeah. I, because I, I feel like even the worst episodes, we still don't shit on them. We're still no. We we, we still try to be positive and find good things about them. Because, dude, it, it's so easy I, to to nitpick things, and I don't want to. I just want to fucking no. have fun. Yeah, the I, fact I, that I, anyone I a, gets anything made is just like mind boggling. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I had a podcast I used to listen to, and it it doesn't exist anymore. But before they quit. It just got so negative. Like every movie they watched, they hated every single thing. And I'm like, it's kind of like why Jason am I just and listening to crypt. people shit on movies constantly. It wasn't fun for me after a while. I know yeah. some people like that. They like the whole like tear down a movie, whatever. I don't like. I, I appreciate movies. I enjoy movies. I want people who enjoy movies to share their love for it, not their hatred for something. 
So have well, you have you guys seen this um uh the the hype this movie called Twelve Kilometers Down? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in order to get access to the movie, you have to message the guy on Instagram and tell him your three favorite horror movies, and then he decides if you can watch his movie or not. <laughs> he it, it sounds way more pretentious than it actually is. Yeah, the guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the guy sounds like no matter what three movies you send him, he'd give you a screen. Like, like he just I think he does it for fun. But on his latest podcast, he did a um he he I actually released and I have to look it up and we can link it. But he actually said no, just my podcast and I. I'll tell you the link on the podcast, but I want you to listen to the podcast. And uh, what I think is funny, what I think is interesting is you have people are going on his Instagram page, some with praise and some bashing his movie. But the only thing he asks about people that bash the movie is just give me reasons why you didn't like it. Don't just say your movie sucks and you're stupid. No, give me reasons. And I think that's totally okay to do. Like, if you don't like something, just give me reasons why. And uh, granted, there is some shitty cinema out there. There's some sure. shit. There are some shitty films out there. But I, I think here on our podcast, like even if we don't like something, I think we at least try to highlight some of the positivities. Sure. Like, yeah. uh, and again, that's kind of the f- the format that I made for this podcast. This is like even if the episode su- like for Tales of the Crypt, even if the episode sucks, we still have like music to talk about. We've got other things uh, but you know, that even- we can like bring it back we watch an episode i don't need an hour and a half of hate you know yeah. like there's enough bad stuff in yeah the world. you can hate. fuck if you want that you can go on glenn jacob's twitter account so why would you <laughs> we don't need that here all right well i think that wraps up the episode next week we will be reviewing cabinet of curiosities episode two titled graveyard rats we appreciate everyone for listening we really preach would appreciate it if you would give us a rating or review on itunes a rating on Spotify. Check out our Patreon for bonus content. Also, check out our YouTube channel for videos of these podcasts. With that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Goodbye. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> No, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it.